calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Okay, here's how Miro works. See? It's amazing! What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. everybody and welcome to this spoiler review episode for episode six of house of the dragon from the geek buddies we are back at it and we're still how we look we did not get a 10-year time jump so this is exactly what we looked like on the last uh, review episode so unfortunately uh you know we're not gonna get some aging makeup but we're not gonna get uh uh, us looking a little bit older, and yet Kristen Cole looks exactly the same. So pretty incredible stuff over 10 years. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that here for Episode 6, The Princess and the Queen. Great title, certainly laying down the groundwork between, or laying down the foundation, rather, for the next five episodes. 
this is going to be the battle all the way through as we head to the Dance of the Dragons for sure. But let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies in the Outlaw Nation. Mike? Hi, I'm Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where our current series, Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City Season 2 is on Netflix right now. That's right. Any time jumps in that one? No? Anything? No time jumps. A little bit less dramatic. A little bit less dramatic. <laughs> just just a tad. Just a touch. I just I don't want to hear any. Uh, I don't want to hear any Barry. Uh, yeah, anyway, let's move on. Anyway, uh, yeah, so a uh, big shout out to Carbon Health who powers and sponsors us here on uh, the Outlaw Nation. You Go to CarbonHealth.com for any of your questions, concerns, or needs. And certainly quite a lot of people on this show uh, could have used a Carbon Health there uh, way back in Westeros. And lots of kind of... A, uh, get checked out for sure. But for you now in the world, you should be thankful that you've got a Carbon Health near you. We've got 100 locations all over the country, 80-plus locations in California alone. They also offer virtual care, in-person care, urgent care, or you can download the app to have a doc in your pocket for any of those concerns on the go if you're heading to Dragonstone Castle or, you know, if you uh, have a little Dracarys situation going on for yourself or someone you know and love. Those are all possible there for you with Carbon Health. That's the best I can do with that. All right, let's move on here. The Princess and the Queen. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the episode, now is the time to stop going watch and come back and head out. Head, uh, head forward with us. We're going to break this whole thing down here. And let's start with the Rhaenyra storyline. A lot to jump into. I was going to do this. going to break it down to storylines. Rhaenyra, Alice, and Damon, and then talk about the kids a little bit. Rhaenyra, we hope when they're having a baby. Oh, wait. Actually, no, let's stop. I usually like to ask the overall thoughts. Michael, overall thoughts on uh, this episode six here as we do the 10-year time jump and go into the back half of the season uh, for House of the Dragon. Well, listen, I mean, I've been saying from the get-go that, uh, you know, even though this doesn't have the wide, all of Westeros feel of Game of Thrones, this is a soap opera in King's Landing, and uh, they've really doubled down on soap operas, so I was still having a blast. I mean, soap operas are who is sleeping with who, who is the father, who is going to do this. This is a soap opera with dragons, and I am here for it. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of people had feelings about the time jump, feelings about losing the actresses that we had been sticking with. Uh, it kind of worked for me. Um, I don't know that I like Rhaenyra 10 years older as much as I liked her 10 years ago, but I don't think that's an actress issue. I think that I have some issue with uh, how Rhaenyra has been acting for 10 years. But uh, but um, but yeah, I, I really, uh, I, I liked seeing kind of this, like it was kind of fun to me to go, all right, we left everybody in a very, very difficult moment. A lot of shit went down. And as opposed to getting the details on why Sir Kristen didn't just get thrown in jail, why this happened, why this happened, we just jumped 10 years ahead and we're like, oh, this has all just gotten way, way worse. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I was, I'm down for it. I think it's gonna be interesting to see where that goes, but uh, I think there might be some differing opinions here. Uh, yeah, Shannon McClung, thoughts on uh, episode six here, the princess and the queen of House of the Dragon. Overall, yeah, for you know not having a ton of action, I I'm with Vogel. Like I really enjoy this story, and like with like we have a great uh, great amount of online streaming content right now, and House of the Dragon is one of those is is I think probably the one show that an episode finishes and I want to watch the next one right away. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that the others aren't aren't good. They're, I'm enjoying all of them. 
But this is the one that I'm like, I have to find out what's next. And even though, you know, very sad to see uh, Millie Alcock and Emily Carey go, um, Olivia Cook and uh, Emily D'Arcy, I mean, their casting did a tremendous job with finding the older and younger versions of yeah. these two characters because, I mean, they they did not miss a step. I mean, they, I mean, visually, they look so similar, but uh, in terms of like character progression, like where they end up really, really makes sense. And, you know, it, it, I did think it was funny that, you know, we were cast two actors. Um, we put some some heavy makeup on pa- Patty Considine. Heavy. Um, yeah. uh, Matt Smith and uh, and Fabian Frankel. <laughs> Apparently they just, <laughs> I mean, Matt Smith at least got a new wig. Fabian yeah. Frankel, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. Again, I'm going to reference Dylan Baker in Delirious. Please watch him in that movie. Watch. That's what I'm seeing with Viserys every week. It's getting, <laughs> they've amputated the son of a bitch's arm and he's just hanging out with his toy set in the back room. This is where he's come to hanging out with uh, Lionel. Yeah. Uh, I have to disagree with both of you. I hated this episode. I really, not hated. I just didn't, I didn't 100% feel the magic that I felt in the first five episodes. The time jump really did mess with me. And I was looking forward to it actually to see what we were going to get. And Shannon, I take your point that you could logically in your mind understand why we end up with these characters here at this point 10 years later. But I don't know. I'm of the crown fan. Like, I like how the crown did it. Two years with these actors. Then we switch up in the off season. We get new actors come in and they can establish the character going forward. And I've enjoyed that in the crown here. It's so weird to have a club, even in the uh, parks and rec. Didn't they, ju- they jumped three years, but it was during a break. So it was a difference. You got to like have a little bit more time to process that here. It's just boom. Here we go. 10 years different. And I don't know if I a hundred percent feel the same magic or the same kind of construction of these characters that Millie Alcock and Emily Carey did when they built these characters from scratch there in their, I know it's based on the source, but in the actual show and on screen, I didn't feel like, I don't like anybody anymore. Like I had, I could see Rainier. I could I, like identify with her a little bit. Cause she's figuring this all out and she's a woman in a man's world. She's trying to become this ruler. And then you see Allison who's unfortunately being shoved in the situation by her dad. And so how she's navigating it. Cause she has these strong morals but now, I mean, everybody's out for themselves. Everybody's got, a, everybody's got a sliding case of morality. And I don't know who to cheer for aside from maybe the dragons. I mean, I've, I'm sitting here really wondering who I've got left. So it just, for me, was a bit of a, a, a shock. And I don't know if I 100% liked the episode, even though I thought it was well acted and uh, um, I liked the visuals and all that. I don't know if I'm 100% on board with where we're going next. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. So. But it sounds like, and, and I think you, I think you have a good, there's a good point here to be made. And yeah. it's, this is what's interesting about it is it sounds like the time jump bothered you less than where we are. And this is kind of what I was saying about Rhaenyra. Like yeah. there's a, there. it's not that they're 10 years older. It's that when we last left Rhaenyra, she had slept with a guy that ostensibly she really had feelings for. Like she wasn't yes. going to marry him and run off and, give up the crown but she really did like him and allison uh was struggling with her friendship with rhaenyra and what and the fact that she has a son that has a claim and like there was a lot of well where am i gonna go 10 years later we all see rhaenyra has continued to sleep with whoever she wants to and although any man in her position could have done it and could have, you know, Robert Baratheon had Gendry. Like, yeah. like the yeah. idea that these these powerful men were having bastards all over the place is yeah. built into 
the higher the, the way that Westeros works, yeah. but a powerful woman doing the same thing, particularly with a husband where it's really clear that those are not his kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, you know, I think it gives you a different opinion of her. And Allison well, I don't have a having, problem with her sleeping with anybody she wants. I don't well, have a problem with that. It's more the concern so, of, of the but what is it? But what is it you, but you're saying you well, don't know who, she how, wanted, who, who she, why do you she, not know how to, why do you not know why to cheer for her? No, because I don't, because of, because of this idea, like at the beginning, when we last left her, as you said, she understood the power of the crown, her place in the, uh, being the heir, her situation, where she's at. There's a strength and a desire and understanding that at all costs, she is going to be here and be in that position to be the heir. I didn't sense that here. What I got here was, ah, shit, I'm in some trouble. I got to figure this out. Fuck it, I'm out of here. And so to me, I'm like, wait, you just said, to, like last episode, that you were willing to commit all this time and you were sacrificing this possible love of your life here to go for this crown. And now it's all muddy and muddled and you're all just like, well, fuck it, I'm going to get out of here. So it's not as important to you as it was before. So well, for me, there's a there's an incongruity in some of the character decisions. And Allison, and, you know, she, I think uh, um, Olivia Cook gave the interview that uh, I think she said that they want she the creators told her to play her as a MAGA person. And I'm like, man, I, you know, with Allison, I understood that she was a put upon person figuring out her morality. Now we've got her shading everybody. We got her lying to herself that she's all about decency and morals while she, you know, uh, essentially in, intimates that Laris should go in there and kill these people so that Otto Hightower oh, can come and be disagree. Oh, wait, did you guys buy that act at the end when she's like, I didn't want that. I would have never wanted Bullshit. Bullshit. Yes. God, 100%. So she, she was not telling him. She was not telling him to go kill his dad and his brothers. Oh, my God. This is the Game of Thrones. All right. But I mean, but I think to your point, I mean, I think like both of them are muddy. I mean, both of them are purposely muddy. I mean, Rhaenyra, like obviously, and like not that Lenor cares about it, but Rhaenyra is having a bunch of kids that are clearly not her husband's kids and everybody kind of knows it. And Alicent has doubled down on, I'm going to put my son on the throne, which is what Otto told her to do when he left. So to your point, like they're both playing the game. I don't think, and maybe I was misreading this. I don't think that Rhaenyra was saying, I'm going to get out of here and go to Dragonstone because I don't care about the crown anymore. I think she's getting out and going to Dragonstone to get away from everybody so that she can still get the crown at some point. Like she needs some right. distance because it is getting too hot for her. It was real, real clear what was going on with right. her baby daddy. But why didn't she think that was gonna happen? Like what 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 stupid bliss was she operating in that no one was gonna find out that her brown haired babies have like this is the thing, it's it's a leap in logic for these intelligent people. To not, it just doesn't make sense that they would do that. And so, well, to me, it just doesn't make sense that uh, but, this would happen the way it does. Because I don't, is it the way it happens in the books? Again, I haven't read the books. Uh, I mean, book I'm not, none of us have read the books, so okay, I don't think we enough. can so answer I that question. You can find out in the comments when we post this episode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm sure people will let us know and let me know pretty strongly about it for sure. But yeah, there's just some leaps in logic here that don't make any sense. Uh, uh, when I'm looking at it, and only three people aged. Well, I guess we got uh, Lena and Lenor aging, aging a little bit as well. But yeah. So anyway, let's jump into. The, even though we are kind of talking all around it, let's take a quick <laughs> break and we'll jump into the Rainier storyline right after this. 
Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. So again, we open with her having a baby. It's loud, and I watched it on my headphones. The sound design almost had me throwing up. I never want to hear that again, for the love of God. But great symbolism here: a rough birth, maybe the ten-year time jump, maybe that's a little meta that they're saying we're rebirthing the show, and it's going to be a bit rough. That's for me to interpret as well. Her husband asks. Her husband comes in and asks if it hurt. Like what? What are you talking about? It's her third kid, uh, apparently. She's got two other kids, Jacaris and Luceris. Uh, and uh, we're going to find out this kid's going to be called Joffrey in an interesting allusion to the death of Joffrey, uh, uh, who, which we saw in the last episode. They all have brown hair. So does Harwin Strong. So uh, anyway, Allison wants to see the child, and she is fake concerned for Rhaenyra when the fact that she was the one who sent the attendant to get Rhaenyra to come up. But sure, she didn't want Blairis to kill anybody. Well, she wanted the baby, she, not she, Rhaenyra. She, sent, she was sent for the baby. She sent for the baby. Right, right. Okay, fair enough. Why does she need to see the baby right after it's born? What business is it of yours? Anyway, she shades them with, uh, with that fake concern, then calls attention to the Joffrey name, and then even pulls aside Leonor to jab the knife in deeper to say, uh, keep trying. One of them will look like you eventually. Uh, anyway, Lador now has a new man, Sir Carl. That's cool. Al- Coral. Allison is Kristen Cole, who strangely hasn't aged a day as her personal guard, but he's, but his bitterness has aged. He's a little bitch about things for sure. Rhaenyra later starts to hear the whispers about the parentage of the children getting louder after the Har- after Harwin's incident in the yard with the boys and Kristen gets heated, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. She overhears Lionel tell Harwin they got to leave and they have to go back to the family's castle. Uh, Lionel tries to remove himself as hand of the king. Uh, um, uh, Viserys says no, so they decide to go back to the castle. He decides to install his son back to the castle to try to maybe save him. Uh, Harwin says goodbye to everyone later, including the kids, with one asking uh, um, Rhaenyra later if he is a bastard, and she says all that matters is you have Targaryen blood in your son. Then Lanor tries to head on off to battle the Triarchy at the Stepstones. We're still dealing with that? And Rhaenyra's like, nah, dog, I'll let you do all your shit. You gotta stay here, stay here and defend us, because Harwin is taken off. She tries to marry off one of her sons to Alicent's daughter to kind of uh, head things off at the pass, which the king likes, Alicent Dazat. And then the show decides to have her leaking from her breasts, which does happen to some moms after they've given birth, but I don't understand the point of that. And then she decides they need to head to Dragonstone with her crew, with her crew, and Lenor can bring Coral as well. All right, so uh, Mike, I go back to you. Talk to me about the, the, uh, the Rhaenyra storyline, how this all went down. And your feelings about it? I just, I just really love when you clearly don't like something. Your, uh, your synopsis is uh, loaded well, with I really get some to do thoughts. My opinions in between you guys, so I have to throw them in sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, look, I clearly enjoyed the Rhaenyra storyline a bit more than you did. Um, you know, I love, like, look, we in the first episode we had a very, very rough birth. Uh, in this episode, we open with a birth, and then we have another really rough birth in here. And look, in a show that's all about women in positions of power, 
and what that means for them and how it's different for them than men. And, you know, I think in the very first episode, Rhaenyra's mom says to her, like, this is where your power is. Like, you're right. we're here to, like, pop out babies. And that's more or less what Rhaenyra says to Alicent. So I think opening on this pregnancy and Rhaenyra just sort of being like Rhaenyra about it. And then when Alicent wants to see the baby, because we all know why Alicent wants to see the baby. She wants to see what color the baby is. Like it's yeah. pretty clear what Alicent wants to see right off the bat and Rhaenyra refusing sweet to let that else. baby go. Yeah. Uh, nobody says Alicent is sweet. We just okay. don't think that every motivation is in line with what you think it is. Um, yeah, Allison obviously wants to see the baby and see what color it is. And I just, I love that whole opening with Rhaenyra and Lenor. Like, I thought it was really interesting. You know, when you do yeah. these jumps 10 years and you're trying to, like, catch up really quickly, uh, it was a really nice way. Like, first of all, Rhaenyra just bleeding through the halls as she oh, refuses so to back down pretty much tells us everything we need to know about the Rhaenyra-Allison relationship and kind of just Lenore and Rhaenyra kind of talking about it. Like, what does she want? Like, why is she doing this? And like, you really get right away sort of the fact that things have not gone well in the 10 years. And like, to John's point, all of Allison's digs about the name Joffrey, about maybe you'll have one that looks like you. Like, it's really clear that she is just pissed about this. She's yeah. pissed about the whole thing. And look, I think a big part of her being pissed about this is she has a son that is a straight up Targaryen that straight up uh, belongs on the Iron Throne in her mind. And Rhaenyra is over here having a bunch of bastard children. Uh, and I'm and Allison can very clearly justify in her mind, not saying it's right or wrong or, or not, but can justify that her line as far as the Targaryens go is pure and right and done the correct way and Rhaenyra who says she wants to be queen and doing all this is disrespecting the whole thing like you can mm -hmm. see where Alicent's point of view is in all of this yeah. um and look Rhaenyra thanks to her dad the king and thanks to the way court works everyone is turning a blind eye to this uh it is blatantly obvious yeah. um given Lenore's uh general appearance and especially when you see Damon's kids and you're like yeah it's, that's that's what those kids should be looking like um but Viserys isn't going to see it and if Viserys <laughs> and if the king isn't going to see it it's the emperor's new clothes if the king is going to say this is what it is everyone else at least as long as Viserys is alive is going to go along with this and so to your point John like do I think Rhaenyra is being uh short-sighted a thousand percent. There's yeah. no way you're already on shaky ground being a woman who is next in line to rule, which has never happened before. And on top of that, although is she being any more ridiculous than Cersei was with Jamie's kids when they when like when Joffrey didn't look like a Baratheon? I like, for Cersei. I mean, I'm supposed to possibly cheer for Rhaenyra. I don't cheer for Cersei. Maybe, maybe. I we'll see where it goes. Shame walk. Oh, fair enough. We'll see where it All goes. Right. Um, but yeah, but I think, and then, no, and I think just really quickly, and then I think just like kind of like getting where it all goes, like after, uh, after like the whole fight in the courtyard with the kids yeah. and everything, when Rhaenyra does see, I mean, I think it's interesting that like first she says to Lainor, like, you can't leave, you need to stay here, like, we all, we all need to be together on this, like, things are not good right now, you can't take off. And then she jumps to the next place, which is, no, no, we all got to get out and we got to get together. And by the way, bring your boyfriend. Like, let's just do this. Let's, let's get the fuck out. Uh, and I actually I actually like that they like, oh, and just really quickly on your point, you know, I know you don't know why her breasts leaked. But again, no, I, know this why. Is, I don't know why they funded to show it. 
I think they showed it because again, like that's a thing that just, that's very natural. That happens to lots of women when they have babies. And this is one more way that she is different than a man. This is one more way that she's dealing with something that she's embarrassed by. Allison points it out. It's a whole thing. And like, you know, women are constantly made to feel shame about things that their bodies do that make us all live, that raise us. And so I think it's just one more way that a woman is different than what a man has to deal with, which I thought was really interesting. But it's Allison who shames her for it by pointing it out. Yeah. These two hate each other, clearly. Fair enough. So you have a woman shame another woman on the show. So it's just interesting dichotomy, which, of course, happens. So I'm not saying it does. I'm not living in a blissful utopian world. I know it happens. But it's interesting signs here. Uh, All right, Shannon, your thoughts on the Rhaenyra storyline, top to bottom, how this all went down and the change here, the time jump and everything uh, with her character uh, throughout this episode. I mean, I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. I mean, I I love the moment as the as the handmaidens are saying, "Hey, the the queen wants to see the baby," and she's just like, "All right, damn it!" <laughs> and she's you know throwing her dress on and they're like, "No, you should be resting." Like, You're right. I should. But we're doing this shit. <laughs> and then to watch Lenore as he asked, "Did it hurt?" I mean, this guy is just so he's so disconnected. Like the, they are so you know not a not a a loving unit. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, let me do this, let me do that, and it's basically like he's just kind of holding her elbow as they walk. Seeing that brief, brief moment, you get two of them as they enter and exit the queen's chambers. That that quick moment between Lenore and Kristen Cole. Yeah. Like you see that that exchange, that hostile exchange of energies. And even though, yeah, yeah, Allison absolutely wants to take a look at this kid to see, like, all right, did we did we get it? Did we get it right this time? Um, but I mean, she is surprised that yeah. Rain Hair is there. I don't think she expected that. So when she's like, hey, you you gotta sit down. <laughs> um, the the whole thing I thought was awesome. I mean, poor Viserys comes in, let me see my Son, this oh. guy is just the Walking Dead. At I know. Point. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. when she brings the child, and the way back, the child is passed around to is very curious. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the one who really holds that child because even Allison, she's a mom, yeah, like yeah. so she knows how to hold a baby. Yeah. But the only one who really holds that child lovingly is Harwin. Yeah. Because true. that Good is point. the kid's dad, and I mean, he has just such a great the, the way that. Lenore was essentially excused yeah. with with the other yeah. two boys so the parents could have that moment with their newborn child. I loved what Harwin said. He's just like, "Oh, he's sleeping in front of the commander of the of of the king's of the king's of the king's guard." We'll like not very not very respectful. Like that was that was such a great little paternal yeah. paternal moment there. And then when Renera understands sort of the shit she has gotten the family in like this is like this is starting to bubble the fact that she offers another egg to one of allison's sons to amond which is like hey you know if we get another clutch of eggs he can have he can have his pick and as they leave and you see allison say look at how look at how uh smoothly the fox speaks when it's cornered by the hounds yeah like just great dialogue here great writing and then when um, when Harwin has his little blow up and Rhaenyra's like, OK, we got to go. Like you can see, it's like the chess pieces are slowly being moved into place to have what I imagine is a uh, is a big battle soon. And, you know, Alicent's point of view from her, from, you know, the reason that Rhaenyra 
married Corliss's son was so you would have pure Valyrian blood on the throne. Mm. Yep. That is not the case here. Like, right. and that's why, like, her case for uh, Aegon being, you know, being an heir, even Damon's kids now being an heir, it's like, that makes more sense than this. Like, I, I thought it was just compelling. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think I've said my piece on that storyline. I, I would like to have seen, honestly, the truth is that I would like to have seen two seasons of these of the younger actresses and the progression of this step by step and then having the baby. Because I, I don't think that's the first time uh, Rhaenyra has walked into Allison's uh, chamber after she's had the baby. I think she's done that every single time. I think Allison has asked to see the baby every single time because she's had her suspicions. I'm sure her and Kristen gab like a couple of uh, people on a uh, on a sewing circle talking about, oh, you know, Harwin is having sex. Well, you know, that's not a baby. I'm sure they both do that shit because Kristen is so mad that he didn't end up with her and he didn't and she didn't run away with her. So there's a real kind of uh, there's a real kind of almost um unsettling sickness on Kristen sticking around this situation rather than going away he just it's it's just really unsettling and i wonder what that's all going to lead to for sure down the road with him but uh, let's take a quick break we'll jump into the allison storyline right after this now through june 29th you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at safeway shop for items like coca-cola products deer park natural spring water dannon light and fit yogurt mott's original applesauce heinz ketchup and mccormick spices and earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries visit safeway.com or download the safeway for you app to earn your reward points today offer valid through june 29th see store for more details And I should, I should say Emma Darcy uh, doing a fantastic job with that uh, Rainier storyline. So I want to give love to her for sure. And uh, Olivia Cook coming in uh, uh, to take over uh, uh, Allison here with the 10 year, 10 year, di- 10 year time jump. Um, and I say this, and this is my breakdown. I don't like it. I felt sympathy for Allison before. Now this feels like a whole new character. She is much more whiny, manipulative, privileged, and has a sliding scale of morality. And she has Kristen as a guard, as a fuck you to Rhaenyra, in my opinion. Uh, and Rhaenyra, of course, uh, or Kristen compares Rhaenyra to a spider who sucks her prey dry as they're walking uh, and calls her a privileged C-word. I'm not going to say that word. Um, and Allison counters with, I have to believe that in the end, honor and decency will prevail. Uh, yeah i'm sorry (laughs) this is not this is not an objective synopsis (laughs) Uh, she wants to convince viserys who was falling apart by the day with an amputated arm and some bad age makeup playing with his toy set that harwin is the father of rainier's kids and wonders about the dragon eggs hatching in a uh in a uh you know another shady little moment there and viserys tries to pawn her off by talking about horses being bred to, and then looking a certain way when they come out and she doesn't want to hear it and he doesn't want to hear about her protestations and kind of warns her about her claims and about her complaints there but once again Viserys not willing to act against anybody that he cares about just kind of lets it all hang in the air uh, she fights to make a masturbating Aegon understand that he has to defend his late blooming brother Aemon and not let him be subject to pig humor. Uh, she doesn't give a shit about her daughter Helena talking about bugs, 
which kind of reinforces what Michael was bringing up earlier, that women in this kingdom are not seen with any semblance of value, even by the women who are trying to somehow be valued in the kingdom. It's an interesting dichotomy when you're looking at this. Uh, and uh, even though Helena is uh, kind of being uh, slowly pitched in that moment as a bit of a prognosticator, she foreshadows what will happen to Eamon later on in, the, uh, in his life. For those of you who've read the books and know the story, she wants to get her dad back as Hand of the King, uh, which prompts Laris and during this dinner here to hire three conveniently available criminals to burn the Lionel Castle, Harwin, and everybody else in that castle to the ground. And I write this, and she feigns disgust and horror, claiming she didn't ask for it, even though it paves the way for her dad to come back as Hand of the King. So, Shannon... I go back to you with this um, caveat here, and this is the interview that she gave uh, with uh, Entertainment Weekly. She was told by the creators there that she had to play Allison, quote, like a woman for Trump. Uh, but then she said, I just didn't want to give them any more mental real estate than they already had, speaking of the people there, or the Trump people. So, she, so I tried to find a different route into her, but I could see what they were saying with this complete indoctrination and denial of her own autonomy and rights. I just couldn't be asked to go down that road. So, Shannon, thoughts on the overall portrayal here of, oh, and the storyline here of um, Alice sent by Olivia Cook? I thought Olivia Cook was outstanding. Hmm. Uh, I thought Definitely she she was excellent. And uh, I mean, you know, hearing the second part of the quote that you know you had mentioned at the beginning of the show, yeah, because um, I was like, yeah, I don't see her playing this as a MAGA woman at all. Hmm. I mean, this is someone with no allies. And she's watching something transpire and she's like, no one, it, no one is going to say anything about this. The mm -hmm. only person that's on her side is Lord Laris. And Kristen so, Cole. And Kristen Cole. But ultimately, let's not, Kristen, let's not overlook that. Yeah. Well, sure. But Kristen Cole ultimately in, in the game is not going to be like he, he's a he is a blunt object. He is he's yeah. the tip of the spear, whereas to make real change i mean she needs someone like lord laris like she needs someone of that of that caliber on her side and all those people are not on her side so it, you know i mean i i thought she was just great i mean i think she plays simmering outrage uh fantastic and all of the scenes with her and viserys i mean you see someone who's no longer a child who, granted, she is married to a very old, uh, uh, decrepit old man, mm -hmm. um, but she is she is now an adult. I mean, and she owns like she she pushes back. Yeah. And I did think it was really funny that uh, immediately when it comes to um, uh, Eamon getting getting a pig, um, that she immediately blames Renera's kids yeah, and no saying that they're barbarians. And the next shot we see of Aegon is him. Uh, wanking yeah. Watch <laughs> out, walking window. That window. Yeah. you want to talk about the the blindness of a parent yeah. um but also this, that again <clears throat> viserys knows when he's just like could our Aegon have have put them up to this no no definitely not loved the scene with her and Kristen cole like you know you can tell she is ultimately what saved him like yep. again yes. i i I agree with you in that time for her nefarious purposes. And well, maybe, maybe not. Like that, we don't know. Um, she she sees she sees a loyal ally. Um, but yeah. like, I do agree with you in the time jump that there is there are a lot of stories that we are not going to get to see with this now. Like, yeah, the I would have like, and construction of them. Yeah, like I would have been interested in, in seeing how uh, Harwin 
and Rhaenyra yeah. got together. I'd be yeah. interested in seeing this developing relationship between Alicent and um, Kristen Cole or between mm-hmm. Alicent and Lord Laris. Um, yeah, Olivia Cook is just, she is a magnetic performer. And then the whole scene with her and Lord Laris, like that guy is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you buy his logic of the cicada being the symbol? You know how loud cicadas are? Being being the symbol of secrecy? It makes no sense. I don't know. Well, I think that's, is that him or is that the house? I think that's him. It's on his kid, I think. Okay. Well, that that did not that did not register with me. Okay. But just watching his machinations, watching how he approaches things, it's yeah. very Iago from Othello. Like yeah. it's, he's a he's a fascinating character to watch. And, e- yeah. and even though, like I I one hundred percent believe, like she's she's I think she was speaking uh, uh, theoretically and hypothetically about her dad. Like yeah. if he were here, this would not have happened. But that how, is the only solution. Yeah. I don't think she threw that out to Laris as a, hey, man, do you, you get what I'm saying? If he were here, it'd be great. Because just because uh, Lionel's gone, that doesn't necessarily mean that Viserys is automatically going to pick Otto. Like, they've been, you know, they've been separated for 10 years. But watching the self-satisfaction that Lord Laris has, that, that sociopathy that you can see just bleeding through where she's like, I didn't ask for this. He's like, well, yeah, you kind of did. And he's like, and look, and I imagine you're going to, you're going to reward me handsomely. He's now ensnared her in a trap. Yeah. So I, I think he's, again, you want to talk about a spider, like how Kristen Cole was saying, Renee is the spider. I'm like, nah, he's not, he's not the, or she's not the spider. Lord Laris is the spider. Okay. <laughs> Michael, please have at it. Well, my friend, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, I think Alicent is an absolutely fascinating character. But I think that's what like I think what's interesting about both her and Rhaenyra's storyline, and clearly this is not what you're enjoying about it, but both of them are in some ways justified, and both of them are also entirely wrong. I mean, right. Alicent is one hundred percent right in what she is accusing Rhaenyra of. Yeah, sure. Like, absolutely. She is not wrong. She is upset that that Rhaenyra is not having children with pure Valyrian blood, Targaryen blood. Like she is and she's right. Like Rhaenyra is having sex with Harwin and basically flaunting it to the entire kingdom and Alicent is furious because no one will admit it. And she has a child who has just as much right in the world of Westeros to be on the throne as Rhaenyra does. And so she's doubling down on her child and she's pissed that aside from, uh, you know, the two guys she's got in her corner, no one is going to no one is going to touch that. So her anger at this is to a degree justified. Now, all of her machinations and the digs that she gives to Rhaenyra, like, sure, I mean, that is two women who have been at it for 10 years. Um, But it's like, and in the same way, Rhaenyra is equally justified to be like, all I'm doing is what any ruler has done. The fact that I'm a woman shouldn't have anything to do with it. And there's justification there. Um, I think what's really telling to me is that when Rhaenyra does realize that things aren't going well and makes that offer to Alicent, uh, I'm going to give you an egg. Let's marry our kids. 
that will clear. Radir is also correct that if those two kids got married, all the problems that they're having in House of Dragons would go away. Like it is a it is a solid offer of let's just put all this shit behind us. And the fact that Alicent is like, F that noise is also very telling. So like, I, like to your point, like you're clearly not enjoying the fact that neither one of these is our Ned Stark or our Jon Snow, or like, Jon, we don't yeah, have a character yeah. here. We don't have a character here that's like, you are clearly the hero I need to be rooting for. It is messy. It is just dirty. Everyone is after each other. Um, but within that, watching how these people are reacting to it, I think is fascinating. Like I'm with Shannon. I don't think like Allison, I think in her mind, and I think this is the thing, like I'm not arguing that anyone is the good guy or the bad guy here, right, but right, in right. Allison's mind, when she says those things about decency and honor returning to this whole thing, and this is what we need to do. She believes it because yeah. she's done nothing wrong. She didn't sleep around. She married the king. She gave the king heirs. She did everything that a queen is supposed to do. Um, you, you know, the, the worst thing that she did is didn't let Sir Kristen kill himself when he should have killed himself for honor. Like, she's been on the up and up this whole time. So I don't think that she all of a sudden goes Cersei Lannister and implies that someone needs to go kill somebody. I think she really was like, fuck, now... Now he's going to hold this over me. He's going to say that I said he should do this and I never said it. So now she's going down a road where she could be seen. If John Roca was in Westeros, he'd be like, Jacques, you did do that. You did tell him to do that. So now she's, you know, she's she's in the mess a little bit. So I think watching these two people that were friends yeah. kind of go down this road where it's getting messier and messier and they are on two opposite sides of this, like... I'm buying it. Like I find it fascinating because I find the gray areas that these both both of these women find themselves in to be very very interesting. I guess maybe I should be new more nuanced in my critique. In that uh, I didn't hate the episode. Certainly there were a lot of well acted scenes, and I understood the logic. I just think we didn't have the foundation as firmly um, laid out or as firmly grounded for us to buy the massive leaps in logic the massive leaps in decision-making for me that I saw from these characters. Of course, I can understand their point of view, and the show certainly lays out the reasons, but I needed the foundation, and I didn't get that here. So for me, is what, that's what I'm struggling with. But certainly, I wasn't bored by the episode at all. I just found myself infuriated by some of the stuff. Well, not infuriated either, but just like bothered by some of the stuff that should have been there that I think would have laid even a better feeling about the scenes after they were done and understood where they were going. But you're right. There is no Jon Snow here, you know, and as, as stupid as Jon was at times, I still cheered for him because there was an effort here. And I cheered for um, uh, Daenerys as well. I loved Daenerys and I thought, well, you know what, set everything on fire and start all over again. I'm cool with that. Let's do that. That would have been a great ending to season eight of game of Thrones in my personal opinion. So uh, I have no problem with making uncomfortable decisions. Let's build to it so that I can see the logic a little more firmly of why you're doing the things that you're doing. I would have bought that from Daenerys if she had done that. I did buy the Jon Snow, Jon Snow stabbing of her. That made no sense on so many levels to me. Um, and I, you know, I love what Olivia cooks, but yeah, but no, she's not the, you know, like, yeah. And, and just like I was reading that quote, just like some of the people who support Trump, they like are blind to the fact that they are betraying their own, gender or their own race or their own uh, points of views here or maybe their own family sometimes or friends in how they're 
pursuing this logic, you can see this way that Allison is pursuing her logic in a way that's oblivious to other things that would stop that logic from being able to be in motion. And she can kill Laris at any moment. You know, she could have absolutely as the queen. I'm sure she could command Kristen Cole to kill this son of a bitch. And no one knows anything about what happened uh, with the strong castle and, and, and Lionel and Arwen. So I don't find her necessarily as ensnared as you guys do. I think she's got tools to use. And there's sure. a reason she stopped Kristen Cole. It wasn't some kind of noble, you know, oh, please don't kill yourself. It was a matter of, I can use this guy. Let me see what I can do with this guy. It's the Game of Thrones. And so certainly him I mean, being I don't there, know, I but I, could, I, I would argue the opposite side of that, which okay. is I think the Allison from episode five, when yeah. she told Sir Kristen not to kill himself, I don't think that that Allison was already like, oh, I'm going to use you against this bitch. I think she was like, look, you did nothing wrong. Like, this is all on Rhaenyra. You don't deserve to die for this. Come be my protector. Like, I think she probably did have noble intentions there. I think with Laris, I think maybe she could have him killed as queen, but he's proven pretty useful to her over 10 years. Like, he was the, he's on her side. Like, we said, Allison, Shannon's right. Like, she might be queen, but she's going to Viserys and like, look, these children... It's clear, and Viserys is like, I had a horse once, and that horse had sex with another. Like, like she's got nobody. So the fact that Laris is like the one who's giving her, but what what morality? Like you're 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 putting you're putting. I'm, what is she doing that's not moral, Allison? Don't, she's she's don't she's a bitch. You, no, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not going to use that word. But I'm just saying because everybody is like, as you said, uh, Mike and Shannon. Everybody's gray in this show right now. Officially, after this episode, everybody is gray in their show. There are no necessarily good or bad. It's all people pursuing their own selfish desires. Not Laris. Laris is bad. Well, sure. Laris is <laughs> There's no bad. grayness there. That's a fair point. And I think Kristen Cole is pretty bad, in my opinion, but we'll see. Um, this whole thing here, though, is there's a sliding scale for what's convenient for her, right? She talks about decency and morality and bringing all this stuff back. Um, but he's the king. And if the king says something, if you supposedly believe in the hierarchy and the rules being followed and the people need to be honored for their positions, well, why the fuck aren't you listening to the king? You know, if but that's not a king, morality, but that's not a morality well, issue. Decency is what she's talking about, and that's connected to order. And in order, a person who, if you supposedly want to be respected as the queen and you say you have no, and look, she gives herself away in the conversation with Laris when they have dinner. She says, I have no one on my, and Lara says, well, no, you're not saying you have no one on your side. You're saying you have no one who agrees. And she's like, yes, I don't have anybody who agrees with my point of view to fight for me. That's what she's, so in that yeah. impertinent moment, she's giving away the fact that she needs, she wants to have people who believe as she does in the court so she can implement but, her will on what's sure. going on in the world. Yeah. So, But that's, that's what everybody's cool. doing. No one, yeah, exactly. But again. Here's what's it, but here's what I find here's what I find interesting, and I'll just keep coming back to it because I do because I think this is what the show is setting up for us is that yeah. the issue is blood. The issue is blood here. Right. Like 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 Allison's well, the child. Birth. The issue is birth. birth. But birth and blood. Like like look, Rhaenyra birthed three children. That's not the yeah. issue. The issue is the blood that's inside those children. Like no, no. those children are not those children, Rhaenyra's children are not pure-blooded belonging on the throne allison's children are pure-blooded and belonging on the throne that no, is half the issue high tower they're half high tower they're not pure-blooded 
they're half Hightower. Oh, sure, like, so half, half but they are, sure, fair, fair, fair. But the marriage versus that, that is true. That is true. I, I apologize. That is true. But they were born within the proper marriage of the king, had yes. a queen, and had a baby. So, but the real thing here, and this is where you're getting into the morality of it all, Rhaenyra is not cheating on her husband. Right. They came. Rhaenyra's not sleeping around. Rhaenyra has an agreement with her gay husband. And her gay husband has his boyfriend and she's got her boyfriend and there is no, no one is lying to anybody in that relationship. Like that is for all intents and purposes, an open and progressive relationship yes. aside from the fact that those are not Lenore's babies. And Allison, her big issue here is that she's going around telling everybody that those are not Lenore's babies and she's not wrong. So aside from her- Because it threatens her, her, her um, ability to have her children be heirs and assume the throne. Right. She's doing it from a selfish point of view. Now, oh, I don't know if there's morality or decency involved here. It's about retaining her children's uh, rights to the heir. And she even says, they're going to kill you if and she's she not, aim but, at, Which she might be know, right. Aegon's she might be right. So it's but more she's than not wrong there the either. Throne, it's yeah. the survival of her kids. Right. So like that's like what. What's interesting here, and like this is all very gray issues, but yeah. I kind of my issue here is like we're kind of saying, oh, well, these women are doing these things, but like they are both just on a road to destroy each other, absolutely. Yeah. yeah but yeah. both Allison and Rhaenyra, as much as they might be more in gray areas given the choices they've made, neither one of them, strictly speaking, is doing anything wrong. Like the way they're treating each other, why Allison is keeping Sir Kristen around. Like there's definitely questions about uh, maybe you're not making the best choices uh, or maybe you're making some of these choices because you two are, you can't help but dig at each other. But both of them are to a degree justified in their actions. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't disagree. And it's fascinating because, like, again, I, male or female, I think across the kingdom, everybody, there's a lot of great, all these characters do some really nefarious stuff or some, you know, you can certainly call them out for some of the stuff that they're doing. And I wonder where this, where this goes, because, I mean, as I said a couple episodes ago, we were doing a review, the review. I think Rhaenyra is like Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall. He is the rock. She is the rock that everyone crashes on because we just, Harwin's been burnt to death. Kristen Cole has been turned into an embittered a former lover, and I got a feeling uh, Lenor ain't going to be lasting too much longer in uh, in uh, Westeros. Uh, anyway, let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into the Damon stuff. <laughs> Speaking of which, right after this. Spoilers, all the spoilers, all the spoilers, all the spoilers. Come on, guys. All right, let's move on to the Damon situation. So uh, my man ends up in an interesting place here, Damon, in Penthos. Uh, they are looking at it, you know, the city of Penthos, which is across from uh, King's Landing. We see Damon there uh, riding Caraxes, and suddenly there's Vagar, which is uh, ridden by Lena, his wife, uh, uh, the wife now of Damon. And last we saw them was uh, flirting with each other on the dance floor at Rhaenyra's pre-wedding party. Now they are married. Uh, Vagar is important because it's one of the three dragons that the original Targaryen king Aegon I conquered Westeros with. So it's over 100 years prior to the events on the show. So this is an old, large, fierce dragon here. Um, and uh, remember, Lena was obsessed with the dragon riding stuff with that uncomfortable date with Viserys. She certainly mentioned the dragon riding. So. Uh, certainly seeing them flirting in the air is, is fun to see. Later at a dinner here, the Prince of Panthos offers to let Damon, Lena, and the twin daughters that they have now, Bela and Reyna, live in the mansion. 
Uh, they're now visiting in an exchange for defending Pan uh, Penthos with the dragon. Should the Triarchy seek to conquer it? He mentions the Triarchy is joining with Dorne. Hey, Dorne, welcome to the party. Uh, Lena hates the idea, wants to go back to Driftmark. Damon, though, seriously considers the offer, which causes Lena to pull her hand away. Uh, and because it seems like Damon, after 10 years, is kind of done with all this shifting loyalties and all this stuff going on there in Westeros. And maybe he just wants to kind of chill out. Let me tell you something. As a man of action in my old, in my younger years, I get it. Sometimes you just cross that line. You're like, I don't want to deal with this nonsense anymore. I'm going to live in San Diego and just hang out. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Lena visits her daughter, Reyna, whose dragon, dragon egg hasn't hatched. We have a great mother, a mother daughter moment, which is different than what we got with Allison and her daughter. Allison couldn't give her two shits about what she was saying. Well, here we have, uh, Lena certainly talking with Reyna and speaking with her and, and consoling her about the situation uh, and about bonding to a dragon at birth. And uh, as Reyna's twin Bela did, uh, the, the difference there and bonding with one later in life as Lena did to Vagar. So uh, we also get a glimpse of Damon and Lena's relationship, which initially looked like they were really in love, but clearly there's issues here. And he's getting, he's going back to being the Damon selfish guy that he is. She tries to console him and says, you're better than this. Um, but Damon is just so lost in his own thoughts here. Uh, and then later on, we see her having her baby and struggling to have her baby as well, as Michael alluded to, this idea of childbirth, struggling childbirth going on in the show. And uh, she ends up running out uh, as uh, Damon is given the same offer that um, uh, Viserys was given in the first episode, whether it's the mother or the child, who do you want to save first? Well, she takes the uh, initiative, runs out, and asks Vagar to burn her to death with Jakaris uh, right in front of Damon. And Damon is a, does a terrible job of consoling his two daughters afterwards. Uh, in the books, she dies, I think, after childbirth, and Damon carries her uh, down uh, and all of that. So it's a different... Uh, so again, they do change some stuff for the books. But So, uh, Michael, i go back to you. What do we think about Damon now after seeing his relationship with Lena? We don't get much time with the Lena-Damon relationship. Again, this time jump, we're handed these two uh, these two actors connecting and certainly with their daughters and this whole situation but then the actress is burned to death and killed before the end of the episode so we don't get too much what's your thoughts on how this whole damon kind of switch here the dare i say the softer damon appearing here in this episode i don't know that it's the softer damon as much okay. as it's the uh uh scared Tired? damon oh scared yeah. okay scared like like lana lays it out like she, like he's saying he's done with it he's yeah. saying oh i'm over it i don't care pentos is great they're gonna let us stay here we just have to like you know fly around on our dragons what a great deal but yeah. she's like you stay up all night reading these books about the lineage you stay up like obsessing oh, yeah. over it like he's yeah. clearly obsessed over it he's not he's not over it he's not john roca in san so. diego he is obsessed with it. Like he can't let it go. But also he, you know, we, we talked about it last week. He spent five episodes. He tried everything. He went and beat the Crab King. He tried to get with Rhaenyra. He said to Viserys, give me Rhaenyra. Every single way he could think of to try and get to that crown, he went to go do it. Um, and then he's sort of out of the game now. You know, again, it's been 10 years. We haven't seen everything, but Rhaenyra has the claim. Rhaenyra and Lenor got married. Alicent is running around trying to tell everybody what's really going on. And her son has equally a strong claim. Damon's got the third strongest claim at this point. Like he's not, 
He's not high up on the list. But why is he considering taking this castle and chilling out and not being involved at all in this situation? That because he's like he's he's done with it all. I then he then why stay up all night reading stuff? Like that dude clearly uh, look, has a I lot watch on his my mind. Old slowdown matches. It doesn't mean I want to go back in the ring. It, th- that happens. You just kind of go back and. I think if Damon. This- I think if Damon had made peace and decided that he just wanted to live out his days in Pentos watching his old Schmodown matches, these next four episodes would be very boring. And I have a feeling that uh, I have a feeling that uh, when we get to next week's episode, we're going to see that that is not what it is. I think that uh, I, I think that he's you know, and again, we've talked a lot about uh, Damon and his impotence, and we've talked about these other things. Like, I think that he talks a strong game, and he he makes a lot of really brash decisions, but I think that at the end of the day, in a lot of ways, he's a scared little kid. Like, he, he talks a big game because he doesn't know if he's worthy, he's got his insecurities, he's got his anxieties, and that in a person like Damon Targaryen can be really, really dangerous. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, Lena, you know, making the decision she made, I was like kind of surprised by that. I was, I yeah, was very too. sort of like, you know, where, where, what was her choice there? Like she clearly wasn't happy with Damon any longer. She wasn't, she wasn't happy with where they were. She wasn't happy with the choices Damon was making. She really wanted to be home. She missed Lenor. She missed, uh, all of those things, but to make that leap to go, I'm out. Me and my kid were out. Now, did she think she was going to die in childbirth anyway and was going to go make that decision? Like, I don't think she overheard uh, yeah. Damon getting the decision, the the same decision that Viserys made. So I think she just called the ball on her own and was like, I don't think this baby's coming. I think this is going to be bad news. Maybe she didn't want that kid to be born and she wasn't going to be around because she's worried about what Damon's going to do with the kid she's got. I don't know, but... It was a powerful moment. I also really just loved how Vagar clearly didn't want to do it. I, yep. I love that. I, I love the emotion on this dragon. Like this dragon was like, I've been around a long time, and uh, <laughs> he sounds like Sam Elliott in my head. Uh, but he was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but he did it. That's much for dinner. Uh, yeah, I, I can understand that for sure. But yeah, also like, who's gonna ride me now, right? Like, who am I gonna bond to now? Just. Yeah, it's very curious, Mike. I agree with you. I was really uncomfortable with that decision because I'm like, well, again, the 10-year time leap, we don't have time to understand if Lena and Damon have had a bunch of issues. This has been a progressive thing. She seems to love her children very much to make this decision to essentially kill herself at her hands rather than leaving the decision to Damon is very curious. She's a strong-willed woman. I imagine she could have told Damon, don't you fucking dare do this shit to me. Well, like I said, but like I said, I don't think that she knew. I don't think she knew that that Damon, that that was a choice that Damon was offered. Like, I don't think that happened in front of her. Yeah. I don't think that she, I don't think she walked out there and said, I'm not going to give Damon this choice. I'm going to do it on my own. I don't know that she yeah. knew that that was on the table or maybe she like did because honest. of what happened to the queen. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like an odd decision that wasn't 100% supported by what we saw in the scene. Once again, just like with Joffrey and Kristen, I don't know if we saw the reasons for why he did what he did. Same thing here with, with Lena. Uh, I, uh, Shannon, I mean, I, I, I think we saw the reasons for Joffrey and Kristen, but we've we've already talked about that last week. You two, <laughs> you two don't think you saw the reasons. I thought it was pretty clear, but that's just me. <laughs> Shannon, your thoughts on the Damon-Lena uh, situation here in the storyline in this episode? John, again, I'm with you. <laughs> Going oh. back to the Kristen and Joffrey, I'm just like, there is there is some missing time there. Like, she did say, like, when I go out, I want a dragon rider's death. Yeah. Now, for Damon to receive this information from the maester, 
and then the next shot is her stumbling out onto the beach it's like there's something missing there like like uh, i i think i would have been more satisfied as as a viewer for her to overhear this and her to sneak out because mm. i think that that makes that makes the yeah. decision it supports the decision a little bit more because it's just Although, like okay Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, but I mean, I had forgotten that she had said that. You're right. Like, she had said, when I yeah. go out, I want to go out with a dragon rider's death. And again, not not to... I, I disagree with you two that, like, whether or not she knew what Damon was doing, like, if she thought that baby wasn't coming, mm -hmm. and she thought that she was going to die in childbirth, she told us what we needed to know. Like, I had forgotten about that part, that she said, I want a dragon rider's death. Yeah. So she said, I'm not going to die in a bed. I'm not going to die in this bed doing this. I'm going to go out and go out like this. Like, but we don't know what she thought because she just did it. But this yeah. is a woman who is under observation, and there are multiple people in that room. Yeah. So, oh yeah, well, let her oh yeah, I don't think those attendants did a great job of attending. That's for sure. So, so I read a review and it called them the absent attendants. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, and seeing that's that's one of the one weakness part. The the one weak part of this episode is like, okay, they're there's some missing time there that would be pertinent um, because when Damon chases after her, he clearly doesn't know what's happened. Like he has an idea like, Oh shit, right. she, she's going to get burnt, you know, burnt up. Um, but I think we did need to, we did need to see that decision being made now for the whole, uh, for the storyline. I, I do think Vogel's right. I think, I think he, he is, He's not out of the game, but at the moment he has no choice. He has no options. Really? He's like, my only option right now is to hang out here and be comfortable because yeah. well, he's hiding. Heirs, well, sure, but the, the more airs that are being popped out, the less the less right. strong he moves further is. down the line. You're right. So and I don't think he's given up the ghost at this point, but I think maybe he he has been waiting for the ideal opportunity because for right now, like he he has no options. The yeah. more kids that are out there. The, the further he gets pushed down the line, so for for him to kind of stay up all night and reading reading about you know uh, dynasty and and, and and all that, like that does make sense that this is not someone who is at peace, but they are as comfortable as they can be right now. Okay, fair enough. You're kind of going in and out, Shannon. So just letting you know with your internet. I don't know if Michael saw that too. So just letting you know a little bit. So in case, um, yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, I think that's the only, my only issue. I, I can get it. Ten years later, you know, it's you know, as you said, Shannon and Michael, he's moving further down the line of lineage, succession. So it would take a colossal effort on his on his part to be able to get away with killing all those people in line. So he would, you know, have a a sense. And one of those people he really loves in that being Rhaenyra, for him to have a shot at getting back on that throne. So at some point, you just go, you know what? What's the point? And so yeah, he's just sitting there. I don't know if he's a scared little kid because he has taken on some pretty strong battles and survived them. And he's done some nefarious shit like killing his former wife to be in a position where he could be in a castle and do whatever. So he's got an ability to survive, an ability to take some strong decisions and sacrifice people's lives in order to do that. What he is, is what is dangerous about him is his desire. When it takes over, he doesn't give a shit who he steps on to get there. That's the, that's the dangerous part of him. And I think we'll see if he's, if I want to see what happens with Rhaenyra now going to Dragonstone and my man without a wife. Now, what happens with this whole situation here uh, with them? So it would be very curious uh, for sure. And Matt's and you're right, Mike, you don't catch, you don't cast Matt Smith 
to have him sitting around for four episodes doing nothing. There's going to be a game to play for sure. Let's take a quick break. We'll get into the final part of our review here, talking about the kids right after this. I got I feel bad repeating the same theme again and again. Fair enough. All right, let's get into the kids here. This is very interesting. As, we, as I mentioned earlier with the kids, we've got Jacaris, Lucerin, uh, Lucerus rather, we've got Joffrey here, and then we've got her kids and Aegon and Amond here as well. And we see uh, we see the Jace connect with a new dragon, Vermax, uh, down there who uh, gets uh, who has burnt goat for dinner, even though he's not a full Targaryen. He's still able to connect with that dragon which probably infuriates Alicent even more to see one of Rhaenyra's kids connecting with the dragon, proving that that Targaryen blood is strong within her kids. We see the pig joke on Aemon. We see Aemon go down into the bowels of the dragon pit where he's confronted by a dragon who nearly burns him up. And then later we see, of course, uh, Aemon doing his thing out the window, but uh, Alicent telling him, like, you've got to protect your brother. Uh, this could be a situation down the road where the, Rhaenyra kills all of you in order to maintain her succession and her rights to the throne. And then later we see with uh, the training sequence here with uh, Viserys looking on with Lionel at the top there of the castle in the balcony, watching watching Sir Kristen Cole clearly favor Alicent's kids in the training over Rhaenyra's kids. And Harwin, who, of course, as we all know, has a fatherly care for these children, a connection to these children, pushes back on uh, Kristen. And when Kristen sets, uh, was it Jason against um, against uh, uh, Aemon? Aemon absolutely Aegon, destroys Aegon. Sorry, Aegon. Aegon absolutely destroys him, uh, and then um, and says, you know, stay on him, uh, don't let him get up. Blah blah blah. Well, Harwin takes issue with that. Which sparks, a, and then Aegon makes a, a, a father comment about Harwin, uh, saying, "You know, you care, you would care like that for a son," which causes Harwin to start unleashing the blows. And as, in essence, uh, Kristen Cole becomes the Joffrey in that situation. And Harwin takes his uh, advice and never lets him up until they pull him off while he's beating the shit out of Kristen Cole. So, very interesting stuff with these kids. They always, they it doesn't seem like they want as cousins. They want to be apart from each other or in battle with each other, but we're seeing the influences of their parents uh, maybe instigating this. So what did you think about the whole kid's storylines and how this was all playing out here uh, in this episode, Shannon? Well, I mean, I think Aegon is, like most firstborn kids, um, Aegon uh, wants to kind of have dominion over his his younger brother, over his younger cousins. And you find out he's a little bit of a bully. Now, also the fact that he is the son of the Ceres, who seems uh, a little uh, uh, physically ineffectual, uh, along yeah. with uh, along with uh, a spawn of a high tower. And at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've seen a truly physically capable high tower. Not like not like uh, Harwin Strong, not like a great warrior. Not yet. So the fact that he is big, he is just bigger than Jace. So yeah. the fact that he is able to kind of you know. Uh, uh, beat him the first time. And then once uh, uh, Harwin gives Jace a couple of pointers, Jace comes back with the ferocity of someone who is the spawn of a warrior. Yeah. Like that, that makes sense. Like I thought everything with the kids was, was really, really fascinating. Now, now with the dragon writing, again, I've not, I've not read any of the books, but it seems like um, there is, it, it seems like there, there's a bit of a, a, a myth, a, a magic to the Targaryens, how they're able to ride yes. dragons. Now, 
Lady Lena is not a Targaryen, and she is able to ride that dragon. So but Valerian like can ride dragons. Valerian yeah. blood. Is that what it is? Yeah, Valerian. Yeah, Lainor, we've dragons. seen. Yeah, Lainor and Lena can both ride dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lainor okay. did. Lainor did when he fought the Crab King. Because right. it just seems like there's more of a myth to their to their ability to handle dragons. Because you look at the dragon uh, handlers. Like mm-hmm. I love the look of the older guy who has those burn marks who has those scars from being scratched like i love the look of them like but again like not having the the knowledge of the books not having all of the context mm-hmm. i'm kind of like okay is it could anyone actually do this if you took the time or is it just or is it actually some is there sort of a magical bond mm-hmm. between people from valeria and the dragons but mm-hmm. knowing that aemon's uh egg never hatched and yeah. you see just the sadness in this kid's face and the issue that Alicent has with that, that these kids who are bastards, granted still Targaryens, bastards, their eggs hatched, her sons didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, you just see this, you know, you would see it all the time. Like when you play little league, like how, how parents would get super into the, into this game that ultimately doesn't mean anything. And now you watch, it's the same thing with Alicent. Yeah. Although this does, you know, this means a lot. I love the scene between her and Aegon because again yeah. you see that you, you you see the cockiness of a firstborn it seems like royal kids are just shitty uh, you've seen the cockiness of a firstborn royal but also the in, the ineffectuality of his father when she says you know you know if if you try to challenge Renera and he's like I'm not going to challenge her she's like no you are the challenge you living breathing you are yeah. the challenge like like Olivia Cook just did such an awesome job um yeah, I mean, knowing that the series is sort of multi-generational, it's fascinating to see what's going to happen to each kid. Now, the youngest uh, Targaryen daughter, the one who was with the the worm. Yeah, yeah, uh, Lena. I, 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 her name is escaping me right yeah. now. Yeah. But, like, watching her, like, I did not get the sense that Alicent didn't care. What? I got, I got the sense that oh. Alicent, that this, this, is, this is a child of perhaps special needs. And that there's only so much connection wow. that she can do. That that okay. like watch like watching her obsess over that that worm, like whatever that that giant caterpillar. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, this this looks like a kid who might be on the spectrum, because there is a bit of a disconnect. Okay. And so yeah, I did not get that Allison did not care about her. That she was doing as much as she could at that she point. Bored. Oh, fair. Oh, I, I, she know. I didn't get that. I thought I thought she looked bored. I thought she looked yeah. bored. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. It's got 35 legs. Yep. Go to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, when I get, when I used to nerd out in front of my dad, he could give two shits, but he would have to humor me as I talked about shit. But yeah. Um, Mike, your thoughts on uh, Shannon, are you, are you good with your thoughts on the kids? Yeah. Anything more to add? Okay. No, um, uh, Michael, your thoughts on the kids and how they were presented here and how they're kind of lining them up because because of course at the end, Rainier taking her kids away. will cause a disconnect between this growing relationship between both sides of that spectrum. Well, again, what I think is interesting is that, as we've been saying, you know, Allison's kids are on the up and up. Yes. She married, she married Viserys. She had those kids and those kids, each one of them, one of them is jacking off out the window. The other one is going into the dragon cave because he doesn't have a dragon. And the other one is counting bugs legs like that buddy. Whoa. Sorry, the dog. The dog is ready for his walk and oh, is sorry, attacking man. the computer. Um, so <laughs> each one of them, in their own way, eh, those kids are a little creepy. Yeah. Uh, Rhaenyra and Harwin's kids seem lovely and sweet. 
And I don't think that's unintentional. Like now, yeah. where those kids are all going to go, where the generational trauma of their parents and their grandparents is going to lead them, that's going to be really, really interesting. But I think it's not unintentional that that Allison's kids, even though she thinks she has the moral high ground, yeah. seem to have some issues. And Rhaenyra's kids, who arguably have less moral high ground given who their father is, uh, seem completely sweet. And even the one kid asking if he's a bastard in the sweetest way. And even the yeah. fact that they weren't the strongest fighters, that Aegon really just like went, like just attacked him and that they don't seem like they have grown into being warriors at this point. Like they're, they're, there's a sweetness to them that in the world of Game of Thrones doesn't always happen with children. And so I thought it was really interesting as far as setting them up on either side and seeing where they're going to go. Well, let me let me swing back to you guys on one last thing before we wrap up the interview because it's been a review because it didn't bother me. Laris Strong, that's his father and his brother that he killed. Why? Yeah. What? Do, why? What? Do, what is? Why haven't we been presented with the issues he has with his brother and his father? Why haven't we laid the groundwork for that? Why he's so he's so willing to kill them in in such a horrific way? And how, like, I, there's there's stuff missing here just to create a little finger in the show. Uh, and I get it because people love Littlefinger and whatever. But like, I need more here. So, him being presented as it just—it's losing its weight for me because I don't see the logic behind it. I don't see the foundation behind it. And I don't know if I missed something. And maybe you guys could educate me on it. Other than him sitting out in the in the uh, in the garden talking, to Alice and talking about tea and all of that, I haven't seen more of his anger towards his father or his brother you know i, I, I don't is that all? i don't think he particularly had anger towards his father or his brother okay like i don't think he yeah. did like i don't think he took this as an opportunity to say oh i'm gonna get back at those guys because i've always hated them right i think this is a guy who uh i mean and i also think it's not unintentional like look you got lionel strong who just seems like an up and up dude yeah i mean everything we've seen of this guy from day one is he gave straight up advice He's been a good guy. And even when he tries to resign, Viserys says, you are literally the only guy yeah. that just tells it like it is. Yeah. Except for this one thing where he clearly knows his, like, and, and like tries to resign because he knows that he is sort of uh, compromised because of his son. But then he's got one son who is, who from the moment we met him was big and strong. Yeah. And then we have another son who, uh, has a physical impediment and is devious. Yeah. Like that's like, that's, that's what, so like to me, I'm like, I don't need to know that much more. Like, I don't think there's a lot of backstory. Like Harwin clearly like relies on his strength is a big bruiser is like, you know, he's a guard, he's a guy. And when he gets pissed at Sir Kristen, he tries to beat the shit out of him. Like his motivations are really, really clear to me. Laris doesn't have the physical strength that his brother has, so has to rely on his deviousness. And from the moment that we met him in the garden with Allison, kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I heard the maester brought Rhaenyra a tea, which I guess it's so good that she's good. Like, he's a manipulator. So when he sees this opportunity to do something to get, as Shannon said, to get Allison kind of caught in his web a bit, and say, well, now I guess you owe me because I did you this favor. Like, I think it's the fact that he didn't have anything personal against his father or his brother. And he did it anyway. The dude's a sociopath. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was gonna say I think I think he's okay. just a psychopath. I think okay. I think that's what it comes down right, to. Right, because he's like, acting on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't see anything wrong with what he what he's done. He he has no sense of guilt. Now thinking back, now because Vogel bringing up the tea reminded me. Mm. Do we think Jace's dad is Kristen Cole? Do we think Renera drank that tea? No, I think she did drink the tea. You do. I don't think that. I think I think those are all Harwin's kids. Although, who the fuck knows, man? It's a soap opera. Man, and also <laughs> I don't think my Allison, pearls. I don't. <laughs> I don't think Allison hasn't slept with Kristen Cole either. I think that's going to come out at some point. I don't think they've had a baby, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, her and Kristen Chris uh, Kristen haven't had relations. So disagree. I'm Okay, disagree. disagree when it happens remember my face when it happens in the <laughs> i mean uh, we've been down this path before yes, and, and, I, and i and i hate to do it but i think i think you're off <laughs> we shall see we shall see no way for 10 years he's just hanging around the court not i just don't buy it and she's just sleeping with the king oh the decrepit yeah we haven't seen a moment with him and the kids too like he has there was not one moment in the episode where he's like hey you know come here amon or or, or aegon like he could care less. He's just playing with Who? his little toy set. He walks in with him. Let me see my grandson. Away from a he's up there. Away. I mean, that. I mean, poor Viserys. He's like, he's like, hey, don't you love these kids being kids? It's all fun and games. It's a lovely watching them all fight each other. This is what family's all about. And then it all goes to shit. And he's like, all right, get me out of here. Let's go. Let's go. Got to go yeah. play with my Legos. I can't watch this anymore. I've got to build a model downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any way he's getting down those stairs all the way down in the air. <laughs> and I wonder if, if wonder if Laris chose Alicent either because she was the queen or he finds her the one who might be the most easily manipulated because Rhaenyra may seem a more formidable foe. And I think down the road that may bite him in the ass with Alicent, which I think could be a very interesting character twist uh, down the road as well. Him yeah, because Laris... situation. Laris approaches Allison yes. after Otto is no longer the hand, yes. right? He initiates mm-hmm. the situation. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. I think I think you're I think you're right on both counts. Yeah. Oh, and 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 uh, we'll see Otto in the next episode because he was certainly teased in the uh, tra- in the trailer for the new episode. So it's going to be fun to see Reshipens coming on back to this drama and see where we go from here. All right. Any final words, gentlemen? We've talked about it for an hour and fifteen minutes. Any final words? None. Can't wait to see what happens next. Because I haven't read the books. <laughs> I've just Googled some things. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us here on this uh, spoiler review for episode six, The Princess and the Queen of House of the Dragon. We appreciate you all taking the time to hang out with us or to listen to us as we break these episodes down. It's so much fun. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Uh, Mikey? Um, well, if you like spilling all the tea in Westeros, then we are the guys for you. Uh, and here's what you guys can do to help us keep doing it. Uh, hit the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outland Nation page. Leave your comments below. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with John? Do you agree with Shannon? Where do you fall on all of this? What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Let us know in the comments below. If you are listening to this uh, on a podcast, take a minute to leave us some stars, leave us some comments so that we go up in the rankings so more people can find us under Super Geeky Podcasts. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, and send it to your friends to tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you 
going. Big shout out to Carbon Health. Thank you so much for powering and sponsoring the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. We appreciate them madly. You all, if you have health care questions, concerns, or needs, or you know some issues going on, like people have in, in, uh, in the House of Dragon, head on over to CarbonHealth.com. Get it checked out. Uh, get They have virtual care, in-person care, urgent care. They've got COVID testing. They want to create health care plans specifically for you to help you go at your pace as you get into better health for yourself so you don't end up like King Viserys on that balcony looking like he did. You can get helped out by Carbon to Health. You can download the app as well. They have a doc in your pocket for Carbon Health. 100 plus locations all over the country. 80 locations in California alone. Go get checked out there. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review of the House of the Dragon here from the Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.